In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today we celebrate St. Xenia of St. Petersburg, as well as St. Xenia of Rome. St. Xenia of St. Petersburg is one of the saints that we have here in our church. She's over on the left side there wearing a military officer's jacket. Many of you know the story of St. Xenia, that her husband died at a young age and she grieved over the way in which he died. And so she took his jacket on. He was a military soldier, took his name, started calling herself after him and went around the streets of St. Petersburg asking for prayers for her husband and doing good works. She was a modern fool for Christ. She lived up to what St. Paul described in his epistle to the Corinthians. He says, For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message priest to save those who believe. For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified. To the Jews a stumbling block, to the Greeks foolishness, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. St. Xenia lived as a fool, being derided, being made fun of, being insulted and mocked, but also conversely being revered, being seen as saintly. It was a great blessing when she would come and visit people. This is the life of a fool for Christ. It's time now that we all be fools. This is the time. The world as it is right now needs more fools. It's the same word as moron in English. That's what the word in Greek is. Moron. That's where we get the word moron. We must be foolish. As we see what Christ, what St. Paul said in his epistle is not something that's for this narrow, focused group of what we call fools for Christ, these special saints. What he describes in his epistle is where we all should be. Because we are the ones who are saved, therefore we are the ones who must be foolish. Foolish, of course, in the eyes of the world. So how can we be fools? Can we all be fools? Well, St. Anthony said, a time is coming where all men will be crazy. And they will look at someone who is not crazy and say, look, he's crazy. Is this not a foreshadowing of our present day? St. Xenia was a stranger in the world that she lived in. It was also a time in Russia when there was a lot of there were a lot of bad things going on. And that kind of came to a crescendo to where the people were so disgusted by everything, they came up with this crazy idea of communism. But it's because in Russia there was a lot of excess, there were people who lived very extravagant lives. And so in that respect, the world that St. Xenia lived in is not that different from our own world. 
So she was a stranger. She was wandering in a strange land. As a stranger, and her name means stranger, by the way. Ksenia means stranger. So that's no, no accident. As a stranger, she was wandering through the world doing things that were unfathomable or incomprehensible to the people around her. And this reminds me of the earliest Christians. Because the earliest Christians were much like Saint Xenia. They were strangers in a strange land in the Roman Empire. They were persecuted and abused and mocked for doing nothing, nothing wrong, nothing wrong by the laws of the state. And yet they were heavily persecuted. In one of the earliest writings after the, the writings of the New Testament, a letter called the Epistle to Diognetus, which is one of the early apostolic writings. The anonymous author describes Christians in this way. To sum up all in one world, what the soul is to the body, that are Christians to the world. The soul is dispersed throughout all the members of the body. Christians are scattered throughout all the cities of the world. The soul dwells in the body, yet is not of the body. Christians dwell in the world and yet are not of the world. The invisible soul is guarded by the visible body, and Christians are known indeed to be in the world, but their godliness remains invisible. The flesh hates the soul and wars against it, though itself suffering no injury because it is prevented from enjoying pleasures. The world also hates Christians, though it is in no ways injured by the Christians because they abjure pleasures. The soul loves the flesh and hates it, and hates it and also loves the members. Likewise, Christians love those that hate them. The soul is imprisoned in the body, it preserves that very body. Christians are confined in the world as in a prison and yet are the preservers of the world. The immortal soul dwells in a tabernacle and Christians dwell as sojourners in corruptible bodies looking for an incorruptible dwelling in the heavens. The soul, when but ill provided with food and drink, becomes stronger. In like manner, Christians, though subjected day by day to punishment, increase the more in number. God has assigned them this illustrious position, which it were not lawful, unlawful for them to forsake. We as Christians must be like those early Christians. If we're not different, if we're not foolish in some way, then we are not in fidelity to Christ. St. Xenia lived as a stranger in the world and she did amazing things. This is what a hymn from last night's Vespers said of her. It says, He who accepted tattered swaddling bands for our salvation, Christ, was drawn by the spiritual beauty of her that wore rags of voluntary poverty. For through Xenia, though Xenia wandered the streets of St. Petersburg by day, she was ever abiding in the field, keeping watch over her soul by night, singing doxologies with the angelic armies and weeping for the sinful world. Because the foolishness always must have this side of being faithful to Christ. This is what is at the heart of being a fool for Christ. In the Psalms, there's much talk about being a stranger, one who bears reproaches. There's a particular psalm in Psalm 69 talking about this. We hear, 
For your sake I have borne reproach and shame, has covered my face. I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children, because zeal for your house has eaten me up, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. Likewise, St. Paul describes this in his epistle to the Hebrews about being sojourners, pilgrims. You see, there's a connection between being a stranger in a land and being a fool. And likewise, if we don't live as though this is a strange land, a temporary land, then we won't be fools. So as we pursue this life in Christ, we become strangers and we become persecuted. But the foolishness ultimately is the foolishness of Christ himself. We can read the gospel and see Christ's great power and his great majesty, but we must look at how foolish he was in the eyes of the world. If we miss that portion, then we miss a great part of what our own Christian life is. Because Christ, as the creator of the universe, as the one who is omnipotent, omnipresent, all-powerful, he became a helpless baby. Not some supernatural baby that somehow feeds itself and does things for itself. A weak and defenseless baby. This was complete foolishness to the world. He was the one who said, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. As he came into the world as an infant in those swaddling clothes, likewise St. Xenia imitated that with her rags. By the way, the word for baby in Greek is moro. It's the same word. The one who is foolish, the one who can't do things, that's what a baby is called in modern Greek. Moro, moron. And this is how Christ was in the world. He dined and talked with those who he wasn't supposed to, Samaritans and sinners and tax collectors and harlots. And he was not threatened by others using his name. Remember the apostles said, hey, we saw someone casting out demons in your name. We told him not to. And Christ said, it's okay. It's okay if someone else is doing this. And he served his disciples. He completely flipped over what hierarchy is, or rather revealed what hierarchy is. Hierarchy is a hierarchy of service, of humility, of going lower and lower and lower. So if we as Christians are not imitating that, then we're not Christians. We are not the ones who bear the name of Christ. Because ultimately our Lord said, A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. We, my brothers and sisters, cannot be greater than Christ. Imagine that by our interactions with the world around us, we can be immune to the seeping in of the world around us within our own soul. We must be fools. So how can we be fools? How can we be morons to the world around us? Some simple steps. Now, before that, I'll, I'll mention uh, two great dangers in being a fool for Christ. The first danger is that it's too much to bear, and so we just choose to appease the world instead. instead. The second danger is that our pride comes in. And this is the real danger for us as Christians. Because we know the best, and we are doing the best, and those people are mocking us, it builds up our pride. This is our martyr complex that we can have coming inside of us. 
Oh, because I'm persecuted, it's because I'm so close to Christ. So this is a very real danger for us. We must not imagine ourselves to be anything great. If anger is rising within us, then we have not followed the path of a fool for Christ. So there's the first one, no anger. We can see in the world around us that this is the opposite of what we see. Anger is everywhere. And the anger is given this veil of being righteous anger, justified anger, watching out for the oppressed anger, seeing injustices anger, whatever we want to call the anger, anger is everywhere. As a fool for Christ, no anger. There is no enemy other than the evil one. And as St. James says, the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. So let us not be angry. The second way to be foolish within the world is to expect that you will be misunderstood, you will be misjudged, you will be criticized, and you will be rejected. Expect this. Again, not in the martyr complex that I'm so uh, saintly because I'm enduring this. Just humbly and simply accept this. When we go around as Christians and we wear crosses, we will feel from others the effect of that. When I go around in a black robe, if I have no interaction with anyone, still there are some who are wounded, who are offended by the fact of my presence in front of them. When we go and bless the waters at Commonwealth Lake, there are people running around the pond, and they see us there singing hymns to God to bless the waters and all of creation. This is an offense. We must bear this as Christians, because this is how we become the soul for the body, as that epistle that I read earlier said. The third way that we can become a fool for Christ is by not responding by bearing reproach. As that epistle said, which is an epistle really of Christ, that epistle foreshadows the Messiah, and it says, shame has covered my face, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. We must expect reproach and not respond, to be peaceful. This is where the pride that might rise up inside of us really gets brought out. Because if we get poked enough, if we get prodded enough, we might try to have the thin veil of humility. But we get poked enough, and eventually what's going to happen? Rah! We're going to come out, and we're going to be on the attack. Why? Because we've nurtured the thought that we're martyrs, and that we are so holy because we're enduring this. And then God will let that persecution become a little bit harder, and a little bit harder, and a little bit harder, until it, we break. So we must take the humble path. The path that is not a path of anger and righteousness. This is how the blind man in the gospel was. You heard him. He was yelling out to Jesus as Jesus is passing by. And all the people are hushing him. They're reprimanding him. But what does he do? All the more he cries out to Jesus. His focus is upon Christ and he is unwavering in that. Even in the face of reproaches. The fourth way is that you know you'll be scorned and mocked for being prudish. Look at the TV. Look at what's on TV. If you talk with your peers around you, and they mention shows that have obscene, immoral scenes, or cursing, or hatred, 
and you say you don't want to watch that, you're prudish. You're prudish because those things are okay. All of that is okay. Everything that we see around us is all just fine and dandy. So you will be scorned for that or for this cynical, cruel humor that has arisen in our society. This is the humor of, we see this especially like in YouTube and TikTok and all these places, that cruel humor where it's really saying that other person is stupid, ha 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 ha. We see this humor everywhere around and we're the ones that are supposed to laugh at that and if we don't laugh at that, if someone shares it with us, look, this is so funny, and we don't laugh, we will be scorned. But we must not partake in this. We can expect that when we see things negatively depicted, people who are deemed as stupid, whether they're people who are Christians, people who have other viewpoints, whatever it is, they'll be depicted in stupidity and we're supposed to laugh with that. So we will be scorned and mocked if we are united to Christ. This is a hard one, the next one, not seeking praise. Because praise is exactly what entangles us in that world, in the worldly way. If we're seeking out the praise of the people within the world, what's going to happen? We'll be pulled right into it, right into these things that we're trying to rush from. And lastly, this is the hardest of them, not looking beyond my own sphere. We live in a world where everyone thinks their sphere is the entire world. It is my job to know about everything that's going on everywhere in the world, and not just to know about it, but to have strong opinions about it. This is my job and my duty, and if I'm not doing that, I'm a fool. You're putting your head in the sand. You need to know about these things, don't you? And what are these things that we need to know about? The things we have no control over, we have no effect on, we can do nothing about them. They are not in our sphere. And yet we're told we're supposed to know about this. We're supposed to read about this and learn about this. Why? So we can become impassioned. So that we can have a strong opinion, which is what? That person's wrong and that person's right. I put myself in the position of judge. We don't need to know about these things except for one purpose. And the purpose that we don't do, which is to pray. If you can go and read the news for the only purpose of praying for all the people involved, the good, the bad, the evil, the kind, the generous, whoever they are, if your only purpose in reading the news is so that you can pray, then God bless you. Do it more. But if that's not your purpose, that's not your sphere. It's not my sphere. I have to vote occasionally, but mostly I have the people that are right in front of me. And those people do need my attention. So yes, we can be fools by looking militantly at what is my actual sphere. Because the more I look at my sphere, the more it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. Do I really have control over all of you who are my parishioners? Do I really have control over my own children? Do I really have control over my wife? Do I really have control over myself? Do you see how small our sphere is? of what we actually have an influence upon, what we can actually affect. And if we focus just on that small sphere, guess what? We know the quote, thousands around you will find salvation. Will that come from us reading about things in the news? 
No, we will not affect the salvation of thousands by reading the news. So that's the final and the hardest of these. I'll mention them once again. To have no anger, no righteous indignation, to expect that you will be misunderstood, misjudged, criticized, and rejected, to not respond but to bear reproach, to know that you will be scorned and mocked for being prudish, to not seek praise because that ensnares and entangles us in the ways of the world, and to not look beyond our own sphere. If we do these simple yet difficult things, we will become fools for Christ just like St. Senya. And it will be for Christ. And we will bear honorably the name of Christian. This is what the world needs. Like that epistle said from way back in the Roman Empire, the soul to the body. We need to be the soul to the body of this world. Because if we are not, then the world becomes soulless. And we all have tasted the soullessness of the world in contemporary times. We must be the soul. And the path towards that is to be strangers, sojourners, fools for Christ. Amen.